The reading set for today is uh, Exodus chapter 24, which is on uh, page 82 of the uh, maroon-covered uh, um, Bibles in the back of the seats. So that's Exodus uh, chapter 24. Um, just to set context, I am going to read a few verses uh, from the end of Exodus 23. Uh, those verses won't appear on the screen, uh, but I'm sure you'll see when I catch up with chapter 24. Exodus 23 then, from verse 31, and this is uh, uh, God speaking to Moses, telling him what to tell the Israelite people. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods, Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Then chapter 24. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls. The other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nabat and Abihu and all the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the mountain. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. There's always quite a lot in the news, isn't there, about um, advice to to help your your life. So, uh, for example... It's said, you know, you should try and step do ten thousand steps every day, shouldn't you, to try to help you keep active? Or uh, I always seem to read things about nuts. I don't know why. 
I ate a Snickers, but um, doesn't help. No, um, no but that, sort of, that sense of nuts that are good for you, they help your heart, they help uh, going on. You even read things about red wine, apparently, that kind of, you know, a bit of red wine is good for you, and it's going on. But, you know, whatever it is, it's this sense of, you know, you do this, and it will help you. You do this, and you'll live. You do this, and it will improve your health. You do this, and you'll get life. And I wonder, actually, sometimes we, we sort of impose that sort of idea onto Christianity. Uh, do this and you will live. Uh, do uh, this whatever uh, and it will give you life. Well, as we come to Exodus 24, we're given sort of help with that question. Uh, what is the heart, really, of, of what it means to be a Christian? What is the heart of the the Christian gospel? Is it the kind of do this and live or is it something else? Well, with those things in mind, let's uh, pray uh, as we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, ongoing story of Exodus and we pray uh, as we come to this chapter this morning uh, that you would help us to, to see you Help us to, to know your, uh, your truth and your goodness, but actually to experience it, to live it, to walk in it. Amen. Um, as we said, we're at Exodus 24, but of course it's always good to remember where, where we've been. And, and, and this is the, the end, really, uh, of the second section of Exodus. The, the first section was that sort of sections of 1 to 17. Do you remember the bit that we had? The, the Israelites in Egypt, then the Lord brought them out with plagues, all sorts of uh, different plagues. The, the, the last plague being uh, the Passover, the death of the firstborn. They had to, to write the blood uh, above the doorposts. Uh, and then the people went out through the, the, the Red Sea. The Lord delivered them miraculously through there. Uh, and then they were wandering uh, in the wilderness, uh, being fed by manna. Uh, and then we got to chapter 18 uh, with Jethro. And we, we sort of said it was a, a hinge moment. This sort of the part of the first part of the chapter, looking back to saying thank you to God for what he'd done. Uh, and then the second half, looking ahead uh, and here we get to the end of this next section, which is from chapter 19 to 24, 11, uh, which is all about uh, covenants. Uh, and covenants uh, is a simple thing. It, it means uh, sort of a promise with conditions. You know, do this and this will happen. Don't do this and this will happen. You know, I agree to go to bed on time and you agree. You know, will not shout at me. I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever. That's a poor example. But, but that sense of, it's a set of conditions. A promise with conditions. Uh, and here, uh, we're getting to the end uh, of this section. Uh, and really, it's the, the culmination of this little uh, agreement, covenantal process between the Lord and his people. Uh, and we get to this point where the people say, look, we're going to do it. Uh, verse 3, when Moses uh, went and told the people the Lord's words, they replied, everything the Lord said we'll do. They, they dive in. They say, we'll do it. We'll do it. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. 
There is no kind of uh, ifs or, or buts or like, that's a bit difficult. We, could we try to do something else? No, no, it's everything the Lord has said will do, uh, which actually is exactly uh, what they said in chapter 19. They, already, they said right at the beginning, oh, Lord, we'll do anything you say. We will do it. There's no ifs or buts. It's just that, no, everything you say we will do. And they say that because they're, they're confident. They think they actually will do it. That They're not sort of just, just saying, oh, maybe the Lord won't notice. No, they, they really believe that everything they say, they'll do. So, verse 4, second half of verse 4, that new paragraph. Moses, that's he, he got up, Moses got up early that morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He built an altar because the altar uh, represented the Lord. So he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So uh, you've got this picture where there's the, the, the Lord is, is represented by the altar and the people are represented by the 12 stones. Uh, there's a, a tangible representation of what's happening, of what's going on. Uh, before them. Uh, and Moses calls for the, the young Israelite men, that's sort of the, the firstborn uh, Israelites, uh, who you might remember uh, were, were consecrated to the Lord. So they're kind of the, the ones who are acting like priests at this point. Uh, they're to come along. Uh, and they offer two sacrifices. They offer a, a burnt uh, offering, the idea that the whole offering being consumed, uh, that picture of saying uh, everything that we have is given over to the Lord. Nothing held back. And then they also offer a fellowship offering, the sense of, uh, of an offering to show that they need to be at peace with the Lord. And the blood from the sacrifice, well, uh, half of it is put on the altar. Half of it is put on the altar to, to represent the, the need for the people to be made right with God. That atonement word, at one word, uh, to remind the people that, that God is holy. That you, you can't just be friends of him. Uh, there needs to be, a sacrifice needs to be made. Uh, and then again, verse 7, uh, Moses read the book of the covenant. Again, he says, this is what it means to follow the Lord. And again, verse 7, the end of verse 7, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. They're like, we're going to do it. We will do everything the Lord has said. They say, we're going to follow him. The people want to and indeed expect to be able to keep the law. And then Moses takes the, the other half of the blood and, and he uh, sprinkles it on the people, which in itself is a, a funny thing to do. It's even more funny when we uh, look ahead into Exodus and the only people who are sprinkled with blood are priests, Exodus chapter 29. So it's as if actually at this point, uh, the whole people of God are being set apart by Moses. Uh, we might say that at this moment that, that God's people are, 
are, are God's people under God who are going to show what that means to live like that by following his law so that the whole world will know who God is. That's what they're agreeing to do. We're God's people. We'll follow God's law so that everyone will know who the Lord is. And then we get this culmination of the ceremony, verses 9 onwards, where Moses and Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders, um, they went up and they saw the God of Israel. Now, when it says saw the God of Israel, it, it most likely doesn't mean literally saw him sort of face to face, because we know from elsewhere that anyone who sees the Lord cannot look upon him and live. But, but think of it this way, actually, uh, what they do see is this uh, amazing uh, pavement, end of verse 10, made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky, this sort of opulent, fantastic view of, of what the Lord is walking on. It might be a bit like saying, oh, I, I saw the king, the King Charles, that is. But, but what I actually really saw is you, you saw his car uh, drive by. Maybe you saw kind of a, a vague outline of King Charles inside. Now, you're right to say that you saw the king, but of course, what you actually really saw was kind of the, the vehicle that he was in. It wasn't sort of like you saw the king face to face. But they see this wonderful sight, and then they have this uh, meal in front or with the Lord. Verse 11. God did not raise his hand against them, and they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. It's this beautiful picture of God's people living in relationship to God. But the sad thing is, though, is that if you know where the story's headed, you know it's not going to last long. They've said, oh, everything you say will do. But we know that it's not very long before it's not true. It just doesn't happen. They're not going to keep it. But at this moment, we have this this picture. And afterwards, Moses uh, goes down and up. Uh, He's given uh, the stone tablets. uh, And this, from verse 12 to 18, is, is sort of setting up what is to come, the next part of Exodus that we're going to be looking at, uh, not next week, but the, the week after. It's setting up kind of the, the, again, more details of what it looks like or, or how, rather, uh, God can have a relationship with his people. Uh, but this morning, we're just going to uh, focus in a little bit uh, upon that first half, verses 1 to 11, upon what is called the, the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, Mosaic isn't sort of these things. Um, Mosaic covenant just means the promise with Moses. That's what mosaic means, with Moses. It's the promised agreement with Moses. When you hear mosaic covenant, just think the promised agreement uh, with Moses. And and it's broadly this. It broadly says, um, if you follow the law, you'll live. If you follow everything that's said here, you will live. If you don't, you'll die. Uh, this uh, agreement, this covenant is, is given through Moses. It's secured by the, the blood of animals that was sort of splashed, remember. 
It needs to be uh, adopted or repeated every time you make a mistake. So every time that there's some problem, you've got to go back to it to, to, to make atonement, to, to make things right. And to help you know what it is, it, it's written on a stone tablet. That's sort of by and large what it says. And I could be wrong, but I slightly wonder if we actually often think of Christianity this way. Maybe not with the animal sacrifice bit, but, but we genuinely think, well, look, if I do these things, God will let me into his kingdom. If I do these things, uh, I'll live. God will go, yep, tick, well done, in you come. But even actually, even deeper than that, maybe it creeps into our, our, our thinking here. We say, well, no, we, we, get to, we get into God's kingdom based on Jesus. But, but maybe it creeps into our thinking a bit more deeply. Where we begin to think, well, God loves me more today because I've kept the rules. God loves me more today because I've done this. Or God does not love me today because I've done this. We allow this sort of, this idea to, to creep into our thinking. But that's not Christianity. No, that is, in fact, an entirely different religion. It could not be further from the truth. Uh, about sort of uh, 12, 1400 years after uh, this, after Moses, the Lord spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, and in Jeremiah 31, uh, we read this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Back in Exodus chapter 34, verse 8, 24, verse 8, sorry. Moses says, Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. This is the, the Mosaic covenant, which isn't bad. It's not wrong or bad or evil. It's good. It helps us to understand that we can't just be right with God, but it's not sufficient. It's not what we need. So then when he promised uh, later uh, that through Jeremiah, saying, look, I'm going to give you a new covenant, a new promise that, that I'm going to write on your heart 
I'll forgive your sins and wickednesses. So that when we arrive later on at the words of the Lord Jesus, and we read Matthew 26, verse 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The same words are taken, but taken upon uh, the words of the Lord Jesus, who says, I- I'm giving you a new covenant, a-, a new covenant. Remember this one? Remember that old covenant, Mosaic covenant? Follow this and you'll live. It's given through Moses by the blood of animals. It has to be done again and again, and, and it's written on stone tablets. Well, I- Jesus said, I'm giving you a new covenant. A new covenant that says, actually, uh, because Jesus has obeyed, I can live. Sinners are welcomed in, not because of my, my righteousness or record, but because of his. It's secured not through, uh, it's given through Jesus, God's own son. It's secured not through the blood of an animal, but the blood of Jesus himself. It doesn't have to be repeated, but it's given forever. And it's not written on an external stone tablet. It's written on my heart. A new and better covenant. Not that the Mosaic covenant was bad. Don't hear that, please. It's not bad. It was necessary. It showed us that we needed help. So that when Jesus comes at just the right time, we go, yes, yes. Uh, later in the service, we'll be uh, sharing bread and wine together. The meal that Jesus actually used to say, this is my blood of the covenant. The meal he gave his followers. That when we share communion, it's not coming forward for a top up. That, that we take the bread and the wine and that sort of just gives us a little bit more for the week. And then we sort of you know, drift down and we come back a month later and we get a bit more. No, communion is not a top-up of righteousness. It is a, a declaration of what God has already done. It is a take this and remember. Christ's body broken for you. Drink this and remember Jesus' blood shed for you. It's an invitation to come based entirely on the work of the Lord Jesus. So what does it mean? Well, later on, we're going to hear these words. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe this morning you're feeling tired and weary burdened by life, burdened by sin. And Jesus says, come. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave you This saying is true 
and worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to save you and me. That's why he came. It's not on your burden, it's on his. If anyone sins, we have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's the propitiation for sins. He's the one who takes away God's anger. (laughs) To be a Christian is not live under God, live under the law to show the world what it means to be a Christian. If you try that, you're going to get really tired (laughs) and it's not going to work. Today is live under God, enjoy his grace and show the world what that means. This is not me saying sin doesn't matter. Sin matters a lot. That's why Jesus died. Sin is serious. That's why we, we come, we say sorry. We have this confession. We say, Lord, we are sorry. But we come to a God who doesn't look away and cast aside. We come to a God who says, I know. That's why I sent my son. I love you. Be my child. And one day, share in my banquet. So this morning, however you're feeling, good, bad, or just a bit ugly, the gospel's true. God extends his grace to you. And he says, enjoy that. Live in light of that and show the world what it means to live in that freedom and that grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the gospel is true. That we thank you for your kindness in uh, giving us communion to help us remember that. And Lord, we pray that we may come to Christ knowing we have empty hands, but knowing you accept and love us. And Father, we pray that you would help us to live such lives of distinction because of that grace, living out the freedom and the love that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue in prayer as joy comes to lead us. Psalm 111.